Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We just finished a series on David. How many of y'all were here for the Heart That Long series, at least uh, part of it? And uh, it was an amazing journey for us just to discover David, someone who we admire. Um, David is a prototype, we know, of one whose heart longed for God. And so he maintained that heart. But listen, he didn't just have a heart that was kind of bent towards the Lord. He had a heart that burned for God. And uh, he even talks about this in the psalm. He said, as he meditated, his heart burned. And so David had a heart that burned for God. In fact, all of scripture is really written about men and women whose hearts were burning for God. They weren't just, they weren't just kind of out there kind of doing their purpose. They were actually people that were really burning, like their, their hearts were activated. How many of you have ever done anything in your life to where your heart really wasn't in it? And then you know, you just kind of did it cause maybe because you were supposed to or because it was the right thing to do. But scripture isn't written about people that did the religious duty with no heart connect. It's actually written about people whose hearts were on fire for God. Yeah. And many times we would admire that in somebody else and, and kind of envy it in someone else. But we would just refuse to settle with a cold heart and settle with a cold heart. But that's not God's desire. God's desire that we would burn just like David did. And, uh, some of you, how many of you have heard of Leonard Ravenhill? Leonard Ravenhill is kind of a classic. He's kind of an old school preacher revivalist. And he says this about the fire of God. He says, God is a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of fire. Jesus says that I've come to bring fire on the earth. There is no escaping the fire. You know, if you've ever been camping, how many of y'all have ever been camping before? Uh, if you get close to the fire, you begin to smell like smoke, right? Um, I, I like to roast coffee. It's kind of this new uh, thing that I've gotten into. And so I'll roast coffee on the back porch. And when I come in, I smell like the smoke because there's a fire that roasts these beans. And, I, and it actually rests on me, the, the, the smell of the smoke. And when you get close to fire, the fire will influence you, yeah. right? It'll warm your skin. Skin and it'll, it'll begin to make you smell a little different than you do. But can I tell you, when you get close to Jesus, when you get close to the Holy Spirit, he will light you up. And if you say, listen, I'm not really on fire for God. You know, I just kind of have a personal little, well, let me, let me tell you today, get a little closer to the flame because this flame will not just kind of give you a little flicker that you can kind of look back and go, man, I remember when I was young, I was so, I mean, they used to bug me so much. And people say, when I was young, I was so on fire for God. God doesn't want it to be when you were young. He doesn't want it to be a past experience. He wants you to be experiencing the fire of God. Hebrews 12, 29 says this, our God is a consuming fire. He wants that to be our present reality. And someone say, well, well, Jesus, you know, we don't really, we kind of see him, you know, kind of being kind of chill and kind of, you know, just super nice and kind and real sensitive. And maybe that's the Hollywood Jesus, but that is not the Jesus of the Bible. In fact, if you look at who he is now in the book of Revelation, it says that his eyes are on fire. It says that his feet are burnished bronze. His face looks like the sun. What is the sun? The sun is a big ball of fire. So Jesus is a man on fire and he's burning with affection. He's burning with desire. And this is what he wants out of our life. He wants us to get ignited by that flame. He doesn't want us just to be kind of sit back with cold hearts and just get through life and do religion. Right. He wants you to be fervent for him. 
Check this story out. John chapter 2, we get to see Jesus on fire on the earth in his ministry. You ready? Now, I want to share this text with you today, but I want to give it to you in the proper context because most people look at one thing in this, but, but I want you to see that it's probably bigger than what you think it is. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, John chapter 2, verse 13, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. What would Jesus do? Make a whip out of cords. So Jesus, listen, this tells us that he was intentional. He wasn't just being reactive. He actually took the time, set aside some time, made a whip. Now that doesn't take like five minutes. I'm not sure how long it takes, but apparently it wasn't something that was just, boom, he had a whip. I'm Jesus. Oh, whip. Okay, great. No, he made a whip out of cords and drove out. And drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins and the money changers overturned their tables. What would Jesus do? Overturn their tables to those who sold doves and said, get these out of here. I mean, shady Jesus once again. Come on, Jesus. Did you forget who you are today? No, he knew exactly who he was in this moment. I know this maybe isn't the Jesus that you would like to believe in, but this is the reality. Jesus is a furious man about certain things. Let's get on this. Overturned tables. Drove people out with a whip. Violent. Let's just kind of put that one in our back pocket and pretend it's not there. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? And his disciples remembered. Now, this is is where we're going to spend our time today. His disciples remembered. Zeal. Everybody say zeal. Zeal for your house will consume me. See, Jesus was consumed with zeal. He was consumed with passion in this moment. Most of the time when we talk about this story, people are talking about money. They think that this story is about money. You know, it's about preachers who make too much money or drive too nice uh, cars or live in too big of houses. This is what Jesus felt about them. Let me, let me, Break it down for you. Let me give you a proper understanding. I I believe that many well-meaning people misuse this text in order to feed their frustrations. Right? And I'm not saying that that some of those frustrations aren't legit. But let me break it down for you. First of all, the money changers. What is a money changer? Well, in those days, the Jews were using Roman money. Okay, they were under the control of Rome, and so they were using Roman money. Well, the Jewish law said that whenever you came to offer sacrifices at the temple, you had to pay a half a shekel. So what did the Jews have to do? They had to go to somebody, and they had to exchange their, Jew, their Roman money for Jewish money to pay for the services of the temple. There wasn't really a problem with the money being exchanged. The problem was, is the Romans were taking advantage, the religious people were taking advantage of people and hiking up the quote-unquote interest rates or the fees for exchanging money. And people were at their mercy because all they had was Roman money. Are y'all with me? 
And so they were taking advantage of people. So that's where the money changers, that's where the frustration, the frustration is not that there was money changing happening, but there was, people were taking advantage of others. The other thing that was happening is they were selling livestock. They were selling turtle doves. They were selling cows. They were selling lambs. Why were they selling these things? Because those were the sacrifices that the people were going to use to offer to the Lord. Well, most, for out of convenience, most people couldn't go and travel far away, especially poor people, go and get a sacrifice out in the middle of nowhere and bring it back. So as a courtesy, they would say, let's sell some sheep and let's sell some goats and let's sell some turtle doves. Right? Yeah. Let's sell everything they need right here so they don't have to go way out of their way to get a sacrifice. Pretty cool gesture. The problem was they were hacking up the prices and people became dependent upon this system and people were making money off of it. So the problem was not that they were selling things or exchanging money. The problem is that they were taking advantage of people. But can I tell you, the bigger problem is this. The bigger problem has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with the purposes of the temple. The purpose of the temple was not a place to make money. The purpose of a temple was to come and worship God. It was come to a place to come and love on God and show their commitment to the Lord, show their devotion to the Lord. And Jesus says this about them in, uh, in Matthew. Now, Jesus does this twice. He does it as we're talking about in the beginning here of his ministry. Later on in his ministry, he does it again. It doesn't tell us that he had whips this time. The first time he made whips. The second time he just came in and cleared house because they had, you know, he cleared house once and then after Tom kind of came along, they kind of started doing it again. So Jesus, three years later at the end of the ministry, his ministry comes and does it again. And he says this the second time. He says, my house, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it in to a den of thieves. Other words, you're robbing people. You're taking advantage of people. So the real problem was that they forgot what the temple was there for. So Jesus, in his passion, he was removing, listen, he was removing what was getting in the way of its purpose. This is how Jesus is about his temple, about his place, about his house. He says, you know what? My house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of presence. This is the place where people come to meet with God. Not a place to make money. Not a place for you to, to, to be ambitious. Not a place for you to live out your dreams. Yeah. A place to meet with God. So his disciples remembered zeal for your house is consuming. They were like, dang. It's just like the scriptures say. And they didn't say it to Jesus. They were like, is it what you did? I mean, I know it's like early on, like we haven't been hanging out with Jesus long, but this seems kind of out of character for him. Not so much because he did it twice. That word zeal, everybody say zeal. Now, some of us would say, I'm zealous for the Lord, but I'm internally zealous. How many know that if it doesn't have a demonstration, if it can't be seen, it's not passion? If it can't be seen, it's not zeal. They saw it. Zeal is the Greek word zealos, which means excitement of mind and fervor 
of spirit. We get it from a word. Zeo is the root word. And it's this, to boil with heat, to be hot. Jesus was hot for his house. Can I tell you, Jesus is still hot for his house. His heart is burning for his house. The Hebrew word for zeal is is, uh, quanah. If I'm pronouncing it right, probably not. Hopefully you're not a Jewish scholar. If you are, then you can correct me after service. We'll say, awesome, good job. The same word in the Hebrew is this, the word jealous. So the word zealous can be interpreted jealous. God is a jealous God. Scripture tells us this over and over again. He is jealous, not of you. There was a number of years ago, uh, it was probably 15 years ago, Oprah Winfrey has a TV program. They're talking about, well, weren't you raised in church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, but I had a problem that God would be jealous. And Leslie and I were watching the interview. You remember this, babe? We were watching an interview in our house, and Leslie goes, you got it wrong, girl. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. And so I guess she had left the church because she thought God was, no, God's jealous is totally right because everything belongs to his. So when we withhold it, he goes, that's mine. Give it back. I mean, you know, there's the evil kind of jealousy, which is covetousness, which the Ten Commandments speaks about. It's for what another has. But there's a holy kind of jealousy. That's a burning drive, a zealous, relentless desire for love. A refusal of distractions. Yeah? That would be like a man coming into my life, Mona Leslie's life, and trying to get the attention of Leslie. In my jealousy, not of him, but for her, I will remove the thing that might hinder the love. That's right, and scripture says like this in Proverbs, it says, it says, jealousy arouses a husband's fury. Listen, Jesus will not tolerate. He's not that tolerable. In fact, it says in Revelation, he says this, I have against you, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. He is not, he is not tolerant. He is just. His love is perfect. It is endless. Let's just be real. So I'm not going to tolerate Anybody distracting my wife's affections for me because I'm jealous for her. And jealousy arouses a husband's fury. Uh uh. That ain't gonna happen here. We will deal with this. So, this is what Jesus does. He's like, You're coming in, you're making my presence, you're making my house something it isn't. That does not belong here. Jealousy arouses a husband's fury. Zeal for his house consumes me. See, God burns deeply for us. He burns with deep desire for what is his. He loves you. He loves you relentlessly. Can I tell you today? Let me tell you about the love of God. God only loves wholeheartedly. He doesn't, God doesn't, doesn't ration his love. He, he doesn't portion his love out. He's not like, man, I really love Leslie today. But you know, B, 
Benny hasn't been behaving lately. So I'm going to give most of my affection over here. Right? That's not the way he... God, God's love is 100% on 100% of the time. His love never changes. You, listen, you don't have the power to change God's affections. Not in your behavior. Come on. Not in submitting to your calling. God loves you. Listen, the reason why that he is so furious about the distractions is because he wants you. He loves you. He desires you. So he's going, no, get out of here. He's not bringing it at you. He's removing the things that would hinder your affections towards him. And this is what he did in that temple that day. Do you see how much I love my father's house? Do you see how much I love the affections of my people? That is not welcome here because it's distracting. He is jealous. He is zealous. So listen, beloved, listen. Don't misunderstand his judgments. Don't misunderstand his, his anger. His anger isn't towards you. His anger is towards the things that would come and hinder your love for him. He loves you fervently. And his love is on. His love is on. It's on all the time. When you feel it, when you don't feel it. When you're discouraged, when you're encouraged. When you're behaving, when you're misbehaving. His love is on. And it doesn't turn off. Zechariah 8.2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very zealous, jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. Who is Zion? Zion is the people of God. He's jealous for us. He wants you. He wants me. And check this out. We are the temple of God. So Jesus comes. When he comes into the room, this is why when you're praying sometimes, the Lord starts reminding you of the things that you did that were wrong. Not because he's mad and he's holding it against you. He's going, do you know when you do this, it hinders your love for me. My love's on, but it's hindering yours. It's getting in between us. Right? See you, whip. Right? Come on. Boom. Let's get rid of that. Let's deal with that thing. So the Lord, when he brings conviction on us, listen, he does it as a relentless lover. He's not mad at you going, man, you screwed up again. What are you doing? No. He loves you. He wants you. He's going, would you stop? Would you stop doing this? Because you're you're not loving me back in that. And I want you to love me back. We are the temple of God. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives within you. Did you know that in our lives, many times, we can be robbers of the purposes of God? Because all of a sudden, we make God and our relationship with God about us, don't we? Our accolades, our ambitions, our agendas, anything that distracts from his purposes. Beloved, he is jealous for you. So we, we, could look, we can even talk about the dreams that God gave us. Oh, well, God gave me this dream to do this. And so many times we will set that up and we will put that before the Lord, actually. Even things that he's given us. And he's going, do you not understand? It can be as as righteous in your mind as you think, but is it coming between us? Well, I I don't have any time to spend with God because I'm doing things for God. It's getting in the way. Come on. 
Y'all all right? Listen, he wants us to reflect his desires. He's got a burning heart. It's consuming. He's, he's affectionate. He's fiery. When it talks about Jesus in Revelation, it is talking, he's talking about his church. Listen, he is lit up with you. He is so in love with you. And did you know that his love, this passion, this desire that he has for you demands a response? Yeah. It demands a response. How can you be loved like that and not love back? Yeah. And all he wants is for us to love him back. This is why when they came to Jesus... And they said, Lord, what's the most important command? We, won't, we want to know the thing that you want us to do. Yeah. He's like, all right, listen. Matthew 22, 37. You must. I like that word. Must. It demands a response. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You must love him. Why? Because this is how God loves you. This is how God loves us. He loves us with all of his heart. God loves us with all of his mind and all of his strength, all of his ability. He gave us Jesus as a demonstration of his great love. It's ridiculous. The love of God is ridiculous. I love how Paul, he says, he says, I'm praying that God will increase your understanding so you'll know the width, the height, the depth, the riches of his love. I'm praying that you'll start to understand it because it's irresistible. Yeah. Beloved, it's unconditional, but it is absolutely irresistible. Oh yeah, I know God loves me. I'm just having, no, you don't know that God loves you because if you knew how much God loved you, your life would be totally transformed. Yeah. We need a revelation of his love. You know, one of the things inside this temple that Jesus was at that day, inside the temple in the Holy of Holies, there's an altar on there. And on that altar, there is a fire that's burning. And it's always burning. Um, did you know in your temple, you are the temple of God, your body is the Holy the temple of the Spirit. You have an altar. You can call it your heart. You can call it the human spirit. You, you are a temple, and inside of you, you have the human spirit. That's, that's the one that's talking to you when you go to bed at night, right? right? The thing that's dreaming, that's, that, that when nobody else is around, that you're functioning, that you're communicating with. Are you guys with me? It's the human spirit. This is what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 27. It says, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. Did you know that, that you can't have a lamp in biblical times without fire. The human spirit is the fire of the Lord. Listen, we were created in God's fiery image. If he is a fire, then we were created in his image. We are a fire. We are burning for things. You are burning for something. Well, I'm just not a very passionate person. Some of you are just passionate about not being passionate. Let someone strike you and let's see how passionate you are. Then we'll see right? Let your favorite sports team come on. We'll see how passionate you are, whatever it is that you're passionate about. But maybe, maybe the thing that we need to be most passionate about is the one who is most passionate about us. Why must we preach a sermon? Because we haven't encountered this deep love for us. Listen, we were created to burn. God created you to burn. 
He didn't create a few select people and say, oh, I want them to, to serve me and be a fire on the earth. Yeah, go. You over here, I want you to be not so fiery. No, he created you in his image. He created you to be like him, a fire. Our spirit, listen, the human spirit is a furnace. And this is what we're going to focus on in this series. The human spirit, the human heart is a furnace for the Lord to burn in. Beloved, it's all we are. It's our destiny. We're here on the earth to burn for God. It's what we're here for. We're the temple of the Lord. We're here to burn for him. Not just burn with our ambitions and have our family and send our kids to good, good schools and all that. All that's great. But if I have a heart that's cold towards God, I have not fulfilled my purpose. Right. I have not fulfilled my destiny. Right. Leviticus chapter 6. Now when the temple was built, this is what, this, the Lord put the altar in there and this is what he says about it. He says, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offerings on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning and the altar continuously. It must not go out. So God tells them, he gives them the dimensions, build this temple, this is the place where I'm going to rest, this is the place where I'm going to commune with God, same temple that Jesus is talking about, this is the tabernacle in this context. He said, there's going to be a fire on the altar and I want you to put wood there, And I want you to put sacrifices there. And it says this in Leviticus chapter 9. Three chapters later. It says the Lord. I love this. The Lord lit the fire. So they didn't come in with their matches. Let's get it going. We'll burn it for the Lord. No, he said, I'm going to light it. But you're going to have to keep it on fire. I'm going to light it. But you're going to have to keep it on fire. And they had to fuel it. Every day they had to fuel it. For 860 years, this fire burned. Until the next temple was built. 860 years. How monotonous. Day after day going and adding to the fire. But God said, it's got to burn. It's got to burn. It's got to burn forever. It's got to burn forever. Listen, when God created you, he created this place in your life to burn for him. And he wants it to burn forever. And this is his heart. I will light the fire, but you got to keep it going. Right. I will light the fire. Have you guys ever watched those shows on TV, those uh, survival shows? And that's one of the first things they do, right? Like Naked and Afraid or something like that. You guys ever watch that? I know it has the word naked in it, so you haven't watched it. Or whatever, Survivor. I've never watched that, but I have watched Naked and Afraid. Um, not because they're naked, but because they're afraid. <laughs> But the first thing they do is, is they, go, they go out and one of the first things they always do is they try to get a fire going. And some people are really good at it and some people are really bad at it. And the, once they get that, listen, once they get that fire going, they keep it going. They don't ever let it go out because it's hard to get the fire going. Listen, it's the same in our walk with the Lord. It's not, in the kingdom, it's not hard to get the fire going. But once it goes out, it's hard to get it going again. So God's saying, will you come to me? Will you let me ignite your heart? I will put the fire there. I will burn in you. But you've got to keep it going. You've got to put fuel on the fire. You've got to put sacrifice on the fire. You have got to be the one who will keep it going. 
And some would say, well, that's works. That's religion. No, it's relationship. This is how we fuel the fire of God. How? How do we feed the fire? The first way we feed the fire is through our obedience. It's through serving the Lord. It's doing the things that we're doing. It might be volunteering. It might be working at a doctor's office and you're just representing Jesus there all day and you're just obeying him the way that you're loving him through what you're doing. Heart, soul, mind, strength. You're just serving the Lord. You're just faithfully serving him. Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lacking in zeal. Never lack your spiritual fervor. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Other words, be zealous all the time. Be on fire all the time serving the Lord. Because whatever it is that you're doing, listen, no matter how monotonous your job is, no matter how monotonous your life is or how boring and mundane it is, you're serving the Lord. So listen, if you say, I'm just not that really that excited about my job. I'm really not that excited about school right now. I'm not excited about my family life. My life's just kind of boring. Can I tell you, can you just light the fire and serve the Lord no matter where you're at? And if you'll just burn for him, yes. he'll just come and say, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this together. And it'll be so much more pleasurable. Right. Listen, if we love God, we obey God. It's the way it is. Listen, God isn't looking for the sediment of love. The sentiment, sorry, the sentiment. God's not looking for the sentiment of love to where you would go, oh, I, I just love God. I just love Jesus. Like my little bumper sticker and my little, you know, my little Caleb radio and my little coffee cup that says, oh, the, the plans of God for me are good and he loves me. I just love God. I love God. Great. I love the sentiment of love. But love is demonstrated through our obedience to the Lord. Jesus talks about this in, in John 14, 45. He said, if you love me, obey me. 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God, that you obey his commands, and his commands aren't burdensome. That you're just going after it. God, I love you. Here I am. I'm giving you my sacrifice. Right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I'm just giving you my sacrifice. I'm just giving you my life. It doesn't really cost me that much, Lord. I'm just giving it to you. I'm just giving it because you deserve it. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And listen, we don't always get it right in this part, do we? Sometimes we're disobedient. Anybody else in the room besides me? I think we can all be, uh, sometimes I disobey the Lord. Listen, God is looking for our obedience no matter how immature it is. Listen to me. You might, if God called you to Africa today, which would be awesome, you might not be able to say yes today. But if you could just talk to a coworker tomorrow, that's a great place to start. See, God, God doesn't, when we obey the Lord in the little things, he doesn't go, I wish you'd obey me in the big things. No, he's like, I love you. I want you to do the big things because it's, it's, it's my desire for you. It's my heart. But listen, God, no matter how small, God wants it all. Listen to me. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to be lead crusades to make an impact for God. You just got to obey him daily. Just do it today. Just, just follow the Lord today. It might be small, but God wants your all. No matter how small it is. Just give him your all. Love him in the little moments. Celebrate him in the small victories. Celebrate him with the ten, in the 10 cent raise. Come on. He'll bring the $20 raise. Just celebrate him right now. Wherever it is, just whatever it is in your life. Celebrate him there. Honor him there. Obey him there. 
And God delights. Listen, understand this. God delights in the smallest act of obedience. Can you get this, gang? When, when you've said no to sin, even it might be, in your eyes, a little sin, which we know there's no little sins, but if there's, even if it's like a little thing and you said, oh yeah, I quit doing that, God delights in that. No matter how small, he, he just wants it all. He delights in it. He delights in every little, every, every little bit of act of obedience. He delights in our obedience. And the second way that we keep the fire going is through fellowship. Back to obedience. Listen, the priest had to obey God to keep that fire going. They had to show up every day and put something on the fire. If you want to keep your fire going, you've got to obey or your fire will go out. But you also can't obey without the fire. I mean, you can for a little while, but eventually you'll get tired of obeying without fire. Come on. So the second thing is fellowship. So in obedience, we're talking about serving the Lord. The second thing we're talking about is fellowship. By fellowship, we're talking about spending time with the Lord. Now, right now, I'm not talking about Christian fellowship, which is great. And let me tell you this. You won't burn long if you don't have Christian fellowship. If you're just a log over there burning and the fire is over here, you're not going to burn long over there. You're going to burn out. Right. Yeah. The little coal, that's why when you do your charcoal fire, you put all the coals together because they need one another. Right. So we're not talking about Christian fellowship today, but you will burn out if you don't have it. Yeah. You need it. But we're talking today about fellowship with God. That you're communing with God daily. You have fellowship with God. You have a prayer life. Well, my, my prayer life's really pretty bad. Well, how often do you pray? At church? That's not a prayer life. Now, your prayer life might be two minutes a day. And can I tell you that that two minutes that God looks at it and goes, I love it. I love those two minutes. I want five, sure. I want 55. I want all day, every day. But man, I love those two minutes. With you and I, that's my favorite part of the day. He loves that. He doesn't wink at it and go, well, give me a little more. He's not frustrated because you don't have a 20-minute prayer time. Let's just be real. He's delighted that you have a two-minute prayer time. Right. Does he want it to grow? Absolutely, he wants it to grow. I hope you want it to grow. Right. We fellowship with God in prayer. We fellowship with God in worship. Not just what we do on Sundays, but what you do on Mondays. Yeah. You're spending time in the Word, that you're communing with God. You're having this long conversation that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That throughout your day, you're just thinking, thank you, God, for today. That I'm living in fellowship with God. Can I, let me say this about prayer. There are some things, listen to me. There are some things in your life that will never happen that are the will of God if you don't pray for it. Well, the will of God is just going to happen, not if you don't pray for it. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, and it'll be given to you. So what if you don't ask, seek, or knock? You don't get it. You have not because you... Ask not. So some of you, you're like, man, I just believe in God for a raise at work. Have you asked God for a raise at work? No, no, no. no. I haven't. Ask him. I believe in God that I have a better relationship with my parents. Because I'm an adult. You know, we did some stupid things when I was a kid. We're, I wanna, have you prayed about that? No. Listen, it could be the will of God. But because you never prayed it, it never happens. 
is the greatest will of God for you is that you get before God daily. Some of you are like, man, I want the will of God. I want to go out and impact nations. And he's like, I want you to just love me today, just a few minutes. Every day that we're bringing something to the Lord, whether a deed, whether a moment, that we are really living sacrifices, fueling the candle of the Lord. Maybe God, listen, and I believe this in my heart. I think the reason why God said you got to add to it daily, I think the reason why God did that is so that they would go in there and they would hang out with God for a little bit. It wasn't just a religious sacrifice. Oh, let's let's have a burn for 860 years. No, God was like, I want you to come in and hang out with me and spend some time with me. So you're going to have to feed it every day. (laughs) Oh, there he is. Let's be together, you and I. Let's spend some time together. I know it's your job, but man, we get to do this together. It's my favorite. My favorite part of the day. Listen, this is how God is for you. He did a lot. He's not, and some of you, you don't, you don't go to God and pray because you think he's so frustrated that you haven't been praying. And he's, he's, not, he's not so caught up in his frustration. He loves you constantly. It's a change. He's just waiting for you to show up. He's like, yeah, Amen. here we go. I remember years ago, uh, we were, God was breaking out in our youth ministry. We were experiencing revival. And, uh, and I went home. We, I'd led this like worship set, like three-hour worship set and prayer set. We were having this like conference or something. And I, I, it was before Leslie and I got married. And I went, I laid in bed at night. I was just like, oh, it's so full of the Lord. Lord, man, God was just moving. I was like, oh, my heart, I'm just so full. You know, and I went, and I went to go turn my lamp off before I went to sleep, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, what about me? And I was like, well, Lord, we just, we worshiped. We prayed. He preached the cross. It was awesome. And he's like, but I want some time just with you. I said, okay, Lord. Turn the light back on. I said, let's, let's be together. It's you and I, like friends. This is the thing. When we fellowship with God, it ministers to God. I I remember um, someone asked me one time, because, you know, we sing songs like, oh, let's bless the the Lord. How do you bless the Lord? You bless the Lord by worshiping him. You bless the Lord by talking to him. When we minister to God, God ministers to us. It's a ministry exchange. It's like we think we're going to God to get something. And the greatest thing that we get is we get God. But can I tell you that when we minister to God, when we fellowship with God, it actually brings him something. It ministers to the Lord. Now, the, the thing, the difference between you and I is that I need ministry. And you need ministry. God doesn't need ministry, but he wants ministry. He wants it. He wants you to minister to him. Um, we talk a lot about God's love for us. We've done that today. We should. It's the most life-changing subject. I love that. That's God's heart. God's heart is that we would, we would know about the love of God, that we'd be exposed to it. It's his heart. It's his desire. We talk so much about God meeting the desires of man, our happiness, our purpose, our comfort. And God is yelling, yes, I want you to be happy. I want you to be comforted. I want to be your comforter. Yes, I want that. But the key is to minister to me. If I am the priority All those things fall into place. Listen, he longs for a church that longs to minister to him. And our heart is fueled when we fuel his. And this is what I love about getting in the place of prayer. Because I'm actually ministering to the Lord. It blesses his heart. And you know what happens to me when that happens? 
I get blessed. I get ministered to. God touches me. God touches me. And listen, as a church, as we come together, we come together individually throughout the week, and you need to be doing that. But also when we come together, when we worship the Lord, it blesses him. And that's the reason why God moves so much during ministry time. You know, or I'm sorry, the worship time. God moves. You know, people are like, oh man, worship's so good. God was just touching me. Why? Because you were ministering to the Lord. And when you minister to the Lord, he ministers to you. It just happens. It's like this ministry connection. It's the love connection. He's just... It's, it's rolling with ministry. I'm ministering to the Lord. The Lord's ministering to me. Yeah, I'm blessing the Lord. The Lord's, I'm, oh, I love it. Last fall, we, uh, I called a prayer thing together uh, on Saturday nights. I said, all right, we're going to pray for Saturday nights for six weeks, some, five or six weeks. Some of y'all remember that. Some of y'all were here for some of the meetings. And uh, every night we come and God gave me a specific date that we were supposed to stop. And... Um, and on the last night, I was the last one here. One person showed up for a few minutes and then they cut out after they were here. And I was laying right here on the front row. And I was like, Lord, I was frustrated. I was discouraged. I think I had text Leslie. I was like, why didn't anybody come and pray? Like, why doesn't anybody like, want to pray? Like, why doesn't anybody want to minister to the Lord? I was real frustrated, kind of feeling sorry for myself. I do that a lot. And so I was just laying there and I was just like, Lord, what's going on? You know, I'm bored. You know, because nobody's here. Like, like, it wasn't good enough that God was there. And I was, just, I was just frustrated. I was laying there. And God spoke to my heart. And He said, I want you to light a fire, Saturday night fire, and don't let it go out. And I was like, oh, Lord, like this kind of fire? Because this is like ain't happening. Like, there's no fire here. I mean, there might be a little, little spark. In the, there's no fire. And so the Lord told me, he said, there will be a time. A time will come that you will light that. You will light that. And, and you can't let it go out. And he spoke that to me very sternly. And so I was like, okay, Lord, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. And so part of our plan as a church this year is we said, you know what? We're going to start launching Saturday nights. Saturday Night Furnace, we're going to devote an hour every week. Every week, we're going to, from 5 to 6 p.m., we're going to come together, we're going to worship, and we're going to minister to God.